Hey guys, and welcome to Cinema Snorkel. I'm Casey. And I'm Carlin. And this is the podcast where we dive below the surface of movies. Listen, if you're listening to this episode, it's one of our earlier offerings. We sort of built this plane in the air, and we recorded with a different name, Movie Sips, which you can scratch. It's Cinema Snorkel, now and forever. It's no longer Movie Sips, it's Cinema, Cinema Snorkel. Cinema Snorkel. Cinema Snorkel. Also, you might notice that our sound quality is abysmal, particularly <laughs> Carlin's. Through no fault of hers, Carlin's might microphone was your Samsung phone, which you laid on the desk. But, yeah, it was. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But please listen anyways. We're not fancy pants podcasting schmucks, right. you know, who have all the equipment before you start your podcast. That ain't us. That's not what we do. We don't think. We just do. We just do things. We just turn on the red button. Yes. Just start go. saying whatever go, go, comes go. to our mind. We didn't even record any thoughts or even watch any of the That's movies right. before we recorded these episodes. We haven't seen any of them. We're just shooting from the hip. I saw one trailer. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy Cinema Snorkel. None of that is true, by the way. Except the part about the microphones and our name being different. <laughs> that part is true. But we did watch the movies. We did watch the movies. And we do prepare. We do prepare. Maybe you can't tell. Maybe you can't. Either way. Here's our podcast. I'm Casey. Uh, I'm Sib number one, I guess. I write about current events for a living, and I have a background in faith and philosophy, which for me makes me really eager to dissect the cultural meaning of things. That is one of the primary interests in film that I have. And I'm Sib number two, but not in ranking, only in birth order. Yeah, maybe in ranking. I don't know. Well, <laughs> said, I, Mom just, said I'm number one in, in ranking, what? but that's okay. She said I'm number the one. The point is, I'm the other sibling, what? and... <laughs> My career is in themed entertainment, and that means storytelling on an immersive level, which is basically just getting to live out stories in immersive environments. So dope. In this podcast, our first goal is usually going to be to break down the themes in movies, and that's important because movies are artifacts of culture. They tell us about the culture and the artists who made them, um, and in a lot of ways, stories are where we tackle the big questions of life, like what does it mean to be human? What do we do when people are, are mean to us? Or what do we do with real evil in the world? Every theme that there is in life, we tackle in movies. Our second goal is to talk about those themes that we've identified in a film and yeah. bring them into the light of a Christian worldview and ask, what does the Bible have to say about this? What is God, our maker and creator, what would he contribute to the conversation? Yeah, and on that note, even though we're both Christians, the first thing we want to do is just let these movies speak and then compare and contrast with a Christian worldview. We don't want to force a Christian theme into anything. But because movies do speak to the big questions of life, Christianity, we believe, will always have something to say to those themes. With that being said, Carlin, what is today's episode? Today, we're talking about the... The Adam Project. You know what you have to do. Stop time travel from ever being invented. Boom. What's your plan? Well, I'm not going to explain my plan to a 12-year-old nerd with it. You don't have I do not plan. have a plan, but I know somebody who does. Dad. I'm the godfather of time travel? The Adam Project. <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting all day to do that. <laughs> they put a great song by the Spencer Davis group in the first two minutes. And, and from that moment, maybe you knew the high this point. was going to be your favorite movie you've ever watched. And you've watched it six times since then. 
I totally have. And I think Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy really ruined cool guy in space movies. I think that's the well, genre. I, I think they kicked it off. They no, kicked well, off a new genre. Totally. And I don't mean, I don't actually mean ruined, but they did something so unique. It was cool guy in space, uh, cool, cool quirky guy in space with awesome soundtrack. And the Adam Project is like, well, Ryan Reynolds wanted to try doing that. So here you go buddy um, <laughs> this is your time to shine casey tell us about the adam project what is it about so the basic plot a guy named adam steals a time travel jet from the future and brings it back to his 12 year old self mm. and needs to through a series of quirky mishaps enlist his younger self to help him save the world by stopping the invention of time travel. To do that, they need to go rescue older Adam's wife, and they need to stop their dad who invented time travel. So that's the basic premise of The Adam Project. Got it. So it's like a family drama. It is basically. like... It's like a domestic drama. <laughs> totally. It's like family, <laughs> dysfunctional family spread out in space. They only interact with one family member at a time, which I did think was pretty interesting. We can get into that. Oh, okay. Let's talk about it. What did you think about The Adam Project? Um, you know, Carr... Uh... How about I go first? I loved it. <laughs> Please do. I actually thought this was hilarious. I was laughing the whole time. I don't know what it was, but something about the humor. I'm usually not a big Ryan Reynolds person, mm. but I actually really liked his character in this. I think whatever kid star that they got, I'm sure he's going to be in everything now. And so I feel bad. He was amazing. Because I think career of an actor is like horrible for a child but he was so yeah. hilarious like totally very intelligent kid able to just throw these jokes around like really talented he was great i just loved their chemistry i loved the humor and the tone and the pacing of this movie this feels like a thoroughly modern pacing of a film like if there is a down downbeat like a slower beat it's very intentional and it's measured and the rest of the film is just moving 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 and i kind of it feels like going on a roller coaster to me mm. which i kind of like that they're moving and grooving that's moving for sure and grooving i feel that those are good things i thought this movie delivered some really incredible nuggets like there were some genuinely touching moments yeah yeah like um like the moment where the kid adam is kind of mean to his mom and then when older Adam comes back, he realizes like, man, I've spent the rest of my life regretting how I treated her when I was a kid. Yeah. Instead of looking at her as a human who's going through yeah. a hard time and, and having some compassion for her, even as a kid, you can do that. And by the end of the film, little Adam kind of comes to that realization and, and starts to love his mom. It's very touching. Yeah, this was a movie about learning to love your family, learning to love yourself, mm -hmm. and dealing with sort of bitterness. Honestly, how do we handle the disappointments and the tragedy of life that really would threaten to send us into a spiral of bitterness, which you see in the older Adam mm. still, and you see it starting in the younger Adam. I would say that's like the central tension of the movie is like, how do we deal with bitterness towards our family? Right. And you're talking about how when they bring the dad character in, there's all this tension here because he dies, right? Does he die in an accident? We're told he that he dies in an accident, mm -hmm. but then they're going to go back in time and see him. But what we see is even before he died, which felt like an abandonment, he actually was a distant father. And he's a good guy. There's that scene where he's talking to the mom and she's like, do you want me to give you a comforting answer? Or do you want me to just shoot straight with you? Because I don't have a lot of time and I'm going to sh mm. just shoot straight. Mm. I love that. I loved their relationship. I like that too. And so she just tells him, look, 
you are a great father, you want to be a great father, but you're not very present and your son feels that mm. loneliness. Mm. She just tells him mm. that. Yeah. So you're saying the bitterness that older Adam has is towards his father who not only wasn't there because he died, but also wasn't really there emotionally for him. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I think that's central and defining for older Adam. And I think you see it bleed into sort of his thoughts about his wife. You know, they were, mm. um, they, so, okay, I'll just tip my hand here. Some of what irked me about this story was that they just tried to do so much. And it felt a little chaotic at times. Like the wife kind of felt like a plot device. Like, oh, we need to save my wife. That's, I would do anything, anything, you hear me, to save my wife. Right. And then she doesn't really, she's not very important. Yeah. They meet her, they save her. And, you know, spoiler alert, she dies. But they're like, okay. And they're just rushing this, like, (laughs) you have to go. I have to hold them off. I mean, if there's a movie trope that gets, oh, it's just every movie, I have to hold them off. I want to know from people in the military how often you need someone to stay behind and sacrifice themselves to quote unquote hold them off because it seems to me like I think every time <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you I think every time well, defin- you have to have someone that's true who stays behind that is true yeah that is true <laughs> and they definitely needed her to she says don't worry I've had years to rig my defenses <laughs> they will never see me coming. <laughs> And so here's what happens. <laughs> Spoiler alert. A truck is coming down the road. She stands uh-huh. visible <laughs> so that the truck sees her. Oh, let's get her. And she pushes a button and a bomb blows up. But she forgot that they have planes. I'm not in the military, but I do think if I had years to prep my defenses against time travelers... I just would think like, yeah, well, okay, now what am I going to do about the planes? Here's what I think, <laughs> Here's what I think happened. You heard her say, I booby-trapped this whole place, and you wanted to see some Home Alone-style booby-trapping, and that never happened in the film. Sure. That was a big disappointment for you. So that's true. So I need to deal with my bitterness. <laughs> so in that sense, I guess this movie speaks directly to yes. me. This is about your childhood wounds and not getting able to booby-trap your own house. I would have given anything for mom and dad to have left and criminals to try to break in and I have to do home defense. I would have given anything for that scenario. So, okay, let's move on to our second question. What are we thinking the themes of this film are? Sounds like there's a lot of stuff about families, fatherhood, but you mentioned um, even learning to love yourself. Tell me more about that. Well, gosh, Carr, I don't know what you thought when you watched this, but I thought Ryan Reynolds really hates himself. Like, And that was some of the cringe factor for me. I was like, oh, mm, could you just be like 1% right. nice to your 12-year-old self? Like, maybe I'm just a big softie, but I do think if I traveled back and saw my 12-year-old self, we would have a blast. We would be, we'd be nerds together. I would cringe. I would wince. But it feels like Ryan Reynolds genuinely hates himself like at the end when he goes i've spent my whole life trying to forget about who i was when i was you like are you talking about that scene i'm just talking about every line he says to the this poor 12 year old kid (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah but he dishes it right back at him i know i just feel like so one of the things we talk about on this podcast is ways people implicitly tip their hands sure right And I wonder if part of their worldview is like, we all are so tormented by how dweeby we were 
that we would just right. not even give our younger selves a chance to say anything. Like the number of times people interrupt each other in this movie and the number of times people interrupt their former selves in this movie, just, I think <laughs> it just galled me a little bit as it was like, just let them talk and like, yeah. So the subliminal message here being, don't you just regret who you used yes. to be as a kid? Aren't we so scornful of yes. our childhood self? But wouldn't you say that this film is correcting that by saying, look how mean he is. And actually, as a kid, he hadn't taken the transition between sadness to bitterness. Older Adam is bitter. But what he is reminded of when he interacts with his young self is that bitterness is actually just sadness expressing itself mm -hmm. in a hardened way. And his child self is actually more tender and more capable of reconciling his relationships mm. because he hasn't put up those barriers yet. Mm. Listen, that was like the best scene in the movie. It was where they were outside of the Pine Motel sitting at that table having that finally like kind of a heart to heart. So, boy, I loved that scene. And I do think the movie delivers a tender moment that will probably hit home. I hope it hits home with some people because that's a really important thing to think about. I just felt like they were too cynical, almost in a way that I was like, Ryan Reynolds, he needed some funny lines, so they just, they needed it to be like so cynical. But it was like eating a warhead candy. Okay, I'll just say this. I don't think your average person in talking to their younger selves would be anywhere near as mean, yeah. even if they did have the kind of issues that Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> so for me, it it, it right. broke the realism. Right, right. And they didn't bring it back home enough for you because he goes through this journey where he's really tough on himself. But what you're saying is it was so cynical and so bitter and it didn't bring it back around enough to a tender place where you're able to look back on yourself and not be so angry and cynical. I think they brought it back uh, as best as they could. But I just think even the most cynical, bitter people... <laughs> <laughs> aren't it was like it felt like a caricature to me in a way that uh, to be honest annoyed me right, at times sure. i also just don't like it when child actors are around language and i know they played that up for a joke too call me old-fashioned i just am like children shouldn't i just yeah. it, it, it irks me because mm -hmm. that's a real thing that happens in the world and it does bug me so anyway yeah, and that's why one of my, the things that kind of was unsettling to me watching this film, even though overall I really enjoyed it, but it just reminded me that the era that we live in feels very cynical. Like that tone you're talking about, we have a level of tolerance for language and vulgarity that's just, it's increasing. More and more we're seeing that kind of stuff pop up in films and TV. Totally. And it used to be kind of sequestered to a more adult genres, but now it's very present and accessible to kids. Kids are allowed to enter in the yeah. world of what used to be restricted because it was not wholesome yeah. is now kind of a joking point for us. Like seeing a kid engage in that, use that language, talk like that, reach for the beer, we think that's hilarious. Yeah. That speaks to a lot of people's personal wounds where maybe they weren't raised in a home where they were protected from that stuff. And when you have that experience, it's easy to just to kind of yeah. revel in it a little bit more and want to see other people's innocence and other people's childhood be trampled on a little bit because that's how yours was. Well, that's a really good insight, Carr. And 
Um, I'll just say two things on that. First, we have been here before. The rating system sort of ebbs and flows. Like, there are movies rated PG, yeah. like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's rated PG, oh. and they rip someone's beating heart uh. out. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> and then in the 90s, it swung way back more towards family-friendly. Like, there was a big swing of family values. Yeah, right. Remember when, like, Las Vegas... I was about to say that. We're, like, getting rid of all of... Las Vegas is going to be family-friendly <laughs> zone. We're going to have little night shows and... The pirates battle out on the pirates. It's like we're going to Disneyland everything. I know. All over this place. And you and I, like, w- our parents are from California, so we drive from Colorado where we grew up through Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I remember several trips where we stopped in Las Vegas and, like, watched, Hung like, out a, for a, night. Yeah. a family-friendly show and stayed at a fun, cheap motel with an unlimited buffet. And, uh, you know, as an adult, you're like, mm, that's not what Las Vegas is known for. Not- not know what it's known for, family-friendly entertainment. So these things ebb and flow, but the point that I would say that the filmmakers, I would argue, Carlin, accidentally make, they're tipping their hand about their own cynicism. Like, they really uh. think this is how everyone thinks of their childhood. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's not even that I, I think it shouldn't be that way. It's just that I don't think it actually is is that way like they were it was like a Mm. race to the bottom of the cynicism well to be like we all know that your childhood was crap and that you were beat up by bullies like i i think that's i think that's more rare or at least we handle it with uh more complexity than this movie was able to show and that i don't think that ruined it but and you know what else when someone comes at you with that kind of negativity and um really cynicism is the perfect word for it it's really hard to resist it if you're on the fence or you haven't thought about it and you're like it's like imagine you're a kid and you just really love barney like you love barney you want to see those dinosaurs holding hands and singing songs every saturday morning and then one day in the fourth grade someone comes up to you and is like you like barney and just destroys your dream carlin yeah what was the name of this kid who hurt you (laughs) who told you barney wasn't cool it was Vinny, my nemesis. In the I had a fourth nemesis grade. named Vinny. Uh, and, um, fun. He, he told me he had a crush on me, I think, and I was so offended. Yeah, we were, we were uh, pals after that. Oh, I bet. Barney's dumb. And then he told you Barney's <laughs> dumb. Oh, Vinny. Listen, in all <laughs> fairness, we were pretty sheltered. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But... Um, mm-hmm. this movie, I'll just say this so we can move on to more themes. This movie reached for, uh, I think really good, noble themes. And given what I said about the cynicism that they accidentally displayed, they were trying for something. They were reaching for, mm-hmm. I think, reconciliation, dealing with the bitterness and the family yeah. dynamics. So I did notice that they only interact with one family member at a time. Yeah. And I do think that that was intentional to sort of try to drive the story. But I think that accidentally reveals more about how we view family in Mm. 2022. Mm. You know, part of my work with the Colson Center is talking about sociology and family dynamics Mm -hmm. in the 21st century. And a lot of people don't know this, but the United States is the global leader 
for single parent homes. Mm. We're the global leader in fragmented families. I want to say that tenderly and gently because there are a lot of single parents fighting a really heroic struggle, you mm. know, to raise their kids on their own. Mm -hmm. And they're doing an amazing job. And there's a lot of different circumstances totally. that create that Oh situation. my gosh. And we can't speak to all of them. Right. The tension there is also to say that that says something about how we view family. And an intact family is increasingly becoming an anomaly. So one thing I've been thinking about recently is how stories, not only do they help us explore the themes that were already going on, it's a reflection of what's happening in culture, but they're also creating something to look for or aim for. They're formative as well as just reflective. And they do that intentionally or unintentionally. Hmm. At the end of the day, stories I feel like are a tool mm. um, oh, if good. we use them correctly. And if you create a work of art that people like, they're going to be impacted by it. So it's worth thinking about what kind of an image are we wanting to put forward, knowing that audiences are gonna look at it and emulate it. It'll start to shape their vision of the good life, right? The good life being whatever you have in your imagination as like what you're aiming towards, what when you will have arrived. There's some movies that are very responsible in how they do that. And they, hmm. they realize that hmm. what they're yeah. putting into the world is gonna shape it. And so they're very intentional about making sure that they they're putting things in that are worthwhile. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of times we can put things out into the world that are thoughtless or they're so indulgent that they actually become adding to the problem, you know? So if this yeah. movie is trying to fight the cynicism of our, against our youth, then maybe it didn't do a very good job of putting a better version out there for us to emulate. Yeah. And instead it just became a little overindulgent in the feelings of bitterness. Yeah, that is really good, Carlin. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say they didn't do a, a really good job, but I think there yeah. were, yeah, there's like a few, a yeah. few ways that I wish they could have honed that. But then again, it's Ryan Reynolds, like he's got a brand. His brand is very off color. So part of the, what they were going for was a mashup of like, oh my gosh, can you say that? Like that's Ryan Reynolds humor. <laughs> like You're like, you, you shouldn't be allowed to say that. You're crossing lines. And yeah, so I guess for me, maybe that's what I'm getting at. For me, it crossed into exactly that category, which doesn't mean that it, it mm. didn't do good. And probably some people who really, really resonate with Ryan Reynolds, this was like a redemptive thing. It speaks to what they're striving mm. for as well. That last scene where right. they're playing catch, man, that's, I mean, that's good. That hit, that hit me right in the feels, you know, because we long for that. Oh, that last scene, I was so surprised. To me, this felt like... We're going to take a step out of the movie for a second and we're going to give you some therapy right now. And the dad goes, come here, son. Let me give you a hug. I love you. And he's like, okay, dad. He's like, no, I love you. He's like, yeah. dad, this is uncomfortable. I love you. What? <laughs> that was bold. I mean, I was kind of taken aback, but I think that was the point, right? That whole tone of, can you yeah. say that? Are you allowed to say that? That Ryan Reynolds brand? They yeah. were doing that, but using it as a tool now. Are you allowed to make the father that loving and that intentional about using his words to bless his son? Like, yes. And we're going to show it because we want that for ourselves and we want that for our children. Gosh. I think that leads really well into our third question, don't you? Da, 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 da. Yeah, let's do it. What does a Christian worldview say about the Adam Project? 
the Bible speaks to it because the Bible tells us stories about the human condition and speaks really accurately and truthfully to the human condition. Mm-hmm. On that question of sociology, I think a Christian worldview is going to give us kind of what we're ultimately longing for on both fronts. On one hand, the message of scripture about family is clear, which is that we're made for relationship, that relationships are about serving other people and being selfless instead of being served. And I think the Adam Project reaches for that. It so badly wants to recover that sort of, I've heard people call it the bourgeoisie morality, you know, of families. They so badly wanted that. And I think a Christian worldview speaks to today with a truth that's going to be hard for us to hear which is that if we want that, we have to at some point start serving the people around us and not living for our own self-fulfillment. And the character that embodied that Mm -hmm. to me was Mark Ruffalo's character, the dad. I mean, he comes in and really does embody sort of the old school dad figure that we all want. We're all just a bunch of kids who want our dads. Literally playing catch in the backyard. But the harsh reality of our world is that none of us are taking the steps to be that kind of a guy later in our lives. When we're in our 50s, if we keep going down the path that culture says is A-OK, you're going to turn out great, of just self-fulfillment and self and self and self, none of us will be that dad. Mm -hmm. We'll be someone who takes Mm -hmm. from their kids. And there are a lot of dads out there who take from their kids. Mm. They don't they don't give to their kids. So I think Christianity mm. speaks to that truth mm. really clearly. But it also speaks to hurting people who don't have that in their lives. You know, if you think the Bible is a, like a hall of fame of people who nailed it every time and just did so great, read it again, man. Like it's got every imaginable vice yeah. portrayed. And it What the Bible authentically shows us is the devastation that that can cause in innocent hearts, you know? Uh, And let's just be clear, Adam's Mm -hmm. dad died in a car accident in this movie, so this is not about him leaving or anything like that, but just the themes of, like, what do we do with brokenness and loss and hurt and bitterness? And I think the Adam Project echoes strong biblical themes of reconciliation. We actually long for those relationships because they are what are going to heal us. And my question would be, because we all want that, we all resonate with that. My question for anyone watching this is, what's your ultimate source? Or how can you realistically say it's all going to be okay? At the end of the day, what is there to debunk your cynicism? If you don't have a compelling worldview that starts with a God who actually loves you, And he tells us hard truth, yes, but it's because he loves us and he wants us to flourish and succeed. Mm -hmm. If your worldview doesn't start with that, Mm -hmm. I would be tempted because I feel the temptation towards bitterness in my own life enough. I'd be tempted to just give into it and just say, everyone's out there to hurt you. No one actually does it right. Mark Ruffalo, that's nice, but there's no one like that, you know? And I'll just say this, like the Adam Project, I would say that even though there have been so many instances of people genuinely loving me in my life, cynicism makes us miss that. You know what I mean? Like, we had the best dad ever. Like, he did play catch with me all the time. Hmm. And yet bitterness, if I give into it, gives me a little, it's like a little worm in your heart that would actually, just like this movie shows, which I think is its major golden moment, it shows us that we'll miss the good things sort of out of a d- desire to protect ourselves. And the solution is hmm. letting go. And, and trusting people again. And ultimately, I would argue, trusting God is the solution for human beings. It starts with God. And God has love for his children. 
He has the ultimate kind of love that's unconditional, that's not based on your performance, whether or not you are good enough, whether or not you get all the right answers, whether or not you're cool enough or likable. <laughs> and it's ultimately, it's a trustworthy yeah. love and it's good enough and strong enough for us to lower our guard of cynicism. And in fact, yeah. it's even so powerful that it can heal the old wounds. It not only has the ability to let yeah. us let our guard down and trust it, but it can go back in time and heal the ways that we were wounded by the humans in our lives. Yeah. Boy, I think of my uh, friend Tom Terrence, who uh, hmm. if you ever get a chance to read his book, I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. It's called Consumed by Hate, Redeemed by Love. And Tom is the most soft-spoken guy you'll ever meet. Uh, but he was in the Ku Klux Klan in the 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement. He was in a—you'd uh, never know it from talking to him, but he was in a shootout with federal agents um, because he was trying to bomb— And this is all in his book? Yeah, it's in his book. He was trying to bomb a local Jewish leader's house because he was so warped by the mentality of the KKK— and it took going to prison, but God sort of popped the lid on his heart, and Tom surrendered to that process after he surrenders to God and accepts the forgiveness that God would offer even someone in the KKK, right? Tom mm -hmm. turns around and starts apologizing, repenting to the people that he was trying to kill. Amazing story. So, Carlin, I did want to highlight one other thing that I just noticed even as we were talking. Film shows us moments, mm -hmm. and that's part of its limitation. But there's something about the moment versus the long term and the commitment in relationships that I think is important for us to talk mm -hmm. about. With the Colson Center, we've been talking about yeah. an article written in the Washington Post called Consent is Not Enough. And it's talking about sexual ethics in the modern world and how our bare minimum, okay, I consent to this sexual encounter. Consent is a necessary prerequisite to sex, but it's definitely not sufficient for a healthy, flourishing sexuality. And there's people in the world at the Washington Post who are recognizing this, and we're like grabbing that article because we're like, yes, like this is what wow. we're trying to say. We don't want to say it well. That's what we've been saying for the whole, this whole time. It's the hard part because we don't say it well all the time, but it's like, yeah, this is what yeah. we, this is what we're going for. Yeah. And Maria Bear, my colleague with the Colson Center, said something so profound. She said, um, uh, "Consent is about the moment, but commitment is about the long term." Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Ruffalo gives this big hug to his boys, and there's something powerful about that moment. And and so far as the movie could show yeah. us, for some ridiculous reason, he couldn't save his life through time travel. Whatever. <laughs> we'll do another episode where I pick apart the time travel theory because yeah. that drove me nuts. They've changed everything else about time. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care. This I movie know. didn't care about the mechanics of time travel at all. But I think they owned it. They, they just did. said a blanket. Time will heal itself. That's like, not how it works. One timeline. Don't worry about it. Time will just correct itself. Time heals itself. You can Fair. still go back in time and change that time travel was invented, but that's the only thing. Come on. Just have Mark Ruffalo live. Have their dad live. There's no, they give you no reason. Okay, whatever. All right, let's just grant <laughs> that's what they Suspension needed to Suspension of disbelief. That's right. It's easier at times uh, than others. <laughs> they show us a profound moment, which I, you know, props to them for that moment. It was amazing. But it did make me think in our world, in our day-to-day -day world, moments don't heal us as much as commitment mm. long-term. Mm. You don't need a father figure to tell you that one time. That is difficult to say yeah. those words, but it's a lot easier than showing up every single day and committing. And what we yeah. are starving for in this world 
is commitment. Someone to love us unconditionally day in and day out for our whole lives. And you know that that's true because the moments that happen if someone breaks that commitment don't matter after they've broken it and left us. Those moments, like if someone turns to us and says, you know what, I'm married to you, but I'm just not happy in this and I need to leave. The happy moments that we shared with them don't stay with us. They don't heal us. They No, they become the opposite. They take the potency that they had in a positive light and turn it to even more pain and grief. And it breaks my heart to see a society that longs for the kind of thing that the Adam Project wants us to long for. But the way we get there is catastrophic. It is the opposite of what's going to produce that. We are creating harm, not just in the lives of each other, which is bad enough, but we are creating a setup by disregarding commitment in marriage and, and the need for dads and moms to stay in the lives of their kids to the extent we intentionally disregard that. And again, circumstances happen and we need to be gracious with people. So hear that. But to the extent we intentionally disregard that structure, we're devastating the lives of innocent children. We're creating kids who have to deal with more baggage where they might not have to if we just stayed in their lives and showed up and died to self and committed to them day in and day out because that's what we need. One last thing on that. For Christians, I think there's a message there too, which is that your moment of salvation can be really powerful, but the joy and the real power of a Christian walk Mm -hmm. comes in the day in, day out, continual surrender to what God wants to do in your life. It's going on that journey with him. Um, Totally. Timothy Keller talks about, I forget where, he probably says it multiple places, but this analogy has stuck with me that Every religion is like, you follow the path and then you get to the gate and then you go in the gate and you're in, if you follow the path. Whereas Christianity is a gate and then a path. You're in the gate, but you're still gonna go down the path which we call sanctification. It kind of reminds me of the way a marriage works. Sanctification. You marry someone having known them for a fraction of the time that you're going to know them. Yeah, right. You walk in that gate and you're, you've are you committed. You put your cards on the table, you know, with the intention that you're gonna spend the rest of your life walking that path with that person. And that's kind of a scary commitment. <laughs> right, but right. But you get at the end, like when you see a couple that has remained yeah. faithful to each other and committed to each other, they reap kinds of fruits that you can't yep. get at the supermarket. You, They don't just, Absolutely. you can't Instagrow those kinds of fruits. Like, they are only come from cultivation and tender care and pruning and watering and patience and restricting. You have to restrict your own wants and desires if you're going to get there. Right. And the crazy thing is the values of our right. culture say you need to worship right. yourself. Absolutely. You need to protect yourself. Your primary goal is looking out for number one. We don't say that phrase anymore because it sounds so selfish, but things like making sacrifices for others that actually has a negative connotation in our culture today. Right. You don't sac- don't sacrifice yourself for someone else. You got to take care of yourself. Like <laughs> we have such the opposite. And and it, what's crazy is because we live in this culture, I feel compelled by that sometimes. Yeah, like totally. when I'm watching a shampoo commercial and they're like, "Your individuality, totally. you got to find what's right for you." I buy into it. Which is our shampoo. (laughs) (laughs) What's right for you you is our shampoo. Man, marketing is a window (laughs) into culture, if ever there was one. We could do a different podcast on commercials. (laughs) We should. Commercial sips. But what Christ asked for us 
is to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to love our neighbor, to put their needs above our own, to love them as we would love ourselves. The way that you so naturally love yourself, pick the best thing, look for the best deal, make sure you're comfortable. If you had that level of yeah, consideration totally. for somebody else's needs, totally. that Come is on. what Christ asks from us. And that's what he does for us. He sees the thing that we so desperately need, which is reconciliation to God and salvation. And he made the ultimate sacrifice, his very life he laid down so yep. that we could be restored to fullness of life. I mean, come on, that's the model we ought to be looking at. Preach it. And here's the other thing. There's an ultimate sense to all of this, which is powerful and important. There's also a very practical day-to-day sense. Think of the next person you're going to meet, wherever or however you're listening to this. Think of the very next person you're going to meet. And imagine what it would look like to love that person as if they were yourself. Wherever you are, stop and listen. Look around the room. Lock eyes with someone that's sitting in the room with you. Maybe you're sitting in a coffee shop and it's a stranger at another table. Okay. (laughs) Go up and give them a hug and say, I love you. My son, you're my son. Whether they're a man or a woman, whether you're a dad. Even if they say, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how I feel about this. You just press in. I love you. You You don't get it. You don't get it. Uh, One irksome thing was how many times people thought in this movie they could just yell over each other and end a conversation quickly and efficiently like that. Casey, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Carlin, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) No. They did that so many times. Like, you know that's all of it. I said that you would do that. Well, if we don't, then we're going to die. Silence and everyone's like, wait, I get it. (laughs) It's like, no, that doesn't work. You never... and we all Come want on. that. So we want to yell louder than everyone. And then finally they listen to us. <laughs> Everybody quiet. <laughs> that, it can happen. It can if happen. it's ever you happened to, to you enough. and you're listening to this podcast, we don't just want to know. We need to know. Please tell us. How did that happen? What happened? Yeah, because I'll it? take that technique. <laughs> I think that might work well in my marriage. You know, like with Hannah. Like, like, babe, we no, just... I can't. You're, just, you're, just, you're not listening to me. <sighs> Oh, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's a pacing okay. thing. It's a, pa- it's a script writer's pacing. I decision. didn't like it. <laughs> sorry. Hey, but listen, for me, the conclusion is that this movie had lots of time travel, space stuff, but what really gripped our hearts about it, and, you know, hopefully other people's too, let us know what you thought, but was playing catch with your dad in the backyard. That's all we want. We have access to everything, sci-fi, whatever. We can make those stories. But it's the normal human things that we're actually looking for that are going to stick with us. Yeah, not the fancy uh, video game that he built. Oh, he built that fancy game. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have built that game for him. You're like, what? Your dad can build crazy, awesome VR video games for you? But that's not what, at the end of the day, he needed from his dad. Oof, that'll preach. This has been Movie Movie Sibs. Thanks for listening, all you fans, all you super fans. We know you love us. We know you've been begging for us to make more episodes. So that's what we're doing. Because all of our fans were so <laughs> desperate for us to make more totally. content. We, we, okay, fine, guys. Okay, fine. we fine. get it. You that's love us. That's just the crazy cats we are. We'll make you the content that you crave. <laughs> we're dippity doing. We're going to dippity do it. <laughs> Movie sibs. See you next time. Oh, bye.